0: We are so excited for Easter to come this year and just to see what God's going to do. We believe that incredible things are going to be happening over the next several weeks. I hope you're looking forward to that. Now, when we just sang that song, Hope is Alive Today, Hope is Alive, um, Jesus is Alive in the the Empty Grave. So I just got back from Israel uh, and a few of you were there. Some guys were with us. It was incredible. Thank you for praying for us and uh, officially went to sleep. After getting home from the airport and all that stuff, 4.30 a.m. this morning. So there are eight shots of espresso coursing through my body trying to keep me awake right now. Um, but one of the most powerful moments of our entire trip was that we went to the garden tomb. We got, we got to see one of the possible locations where they laid Jesus' body. And what the most powerful takeaway was is that that grave is empty. It's empty, that Jesus Christ is alive and he's coming again. And so just want to encourage you with that. That's what we're celebrating this Easter. And so as we invite people, as we reach out to our friends, our neighbors, our family members, whoever it may be. Easter is an incredible time to invite someone to church for the first time. Because they get to hear the greatest story ever told. And we're going to present it as the greatest show on earth. You do not want to miss it. It's going to be powerful, powerful. So, We want to help you invite. On your way out there are little postcards actually a little brochure that has our service times and location on it and kind of a description of where we're going. So grab those as you leave and hand them out to people and invite them and say come with me. Figure out a way to have them come with you to church. We want to see this place packed out. We have four Easter services. Two on Saturday two on Sunday. It's going to be incredible. Now we're also expecting a lot of little kids to be coming. So we would love it if you have not served or if you're not currently serving in K kids, uh, we would love to get some help on that day. So please, if you're able to help at one of our services during Easter weekend and you can, and you could help us do that, we want to serve all the people that are coming. So in the lobby, there's going to be some tables out there where you can just get more information on volunteering. That would be a huge way to just love on all of our visitors and to serve Jesus in this place. Okay. Here's something else. Uh, How many of you, when you're growing up, got to do an Easter egg hunt? Okay, a few, yes, most, most of us. I love that. I, I love trying to find those things. It was, my little girls love that. And so we've got an incredible opportunity we're so excited to tell you about, which is that for Beverly Hills, the Beverly Hills Easter egg hunt. Kensington Birmingham is sponsoring it, hosting it, and like kind of pulling it off this year. And so we would love to just, again, give you a chance to invite someone. We've got little cards outside the door. And this is a way to invite someone to come. It's, it's going to be a totally fun event. And just kids are going to be chasing eggs and finding them and all that good stuff. It'll be lots of candy, lots of fun. It's on March 24th at 1 o'clock. At Beverly Park. This is going to be a phenomenal thing for our community, and we are so excited to serve our community. We need your help to get ready for it, both on the day and before stuffing eggs, things like that. There's a table right outside the door. Please volunteer, but grab these. Let's invite all of the kids on your street, all your friends and family, and just pack out that park. We're praying for incredible weather on that particular day, so join us for that. Also, what's happening in this room is exciting and amazing. We love that God moves in this space in our town and we get to see his hand move and lives change. But what I really love about being a part of Kensington Church is how we connect to the greater world around us. That we are as concerned about someone who lives in Kenya getting clean water as we are as someone who's in Birmingham hearing about the gospel of Jesus. One of the ways that we accomplish this is through a ministry we have called Hope Water Project. It's a very big deal in this area. You see those blue jerseys as people go running. And the whole idea is it's a way for people to run with purpose as they run marathons detroit and other marathons they're running to raise money to give clean water to the pokot people in kenya i was able to go last january and meet these beautiful people and see some of our wells and i'm telling you it's it was an overwhelming experience for me to see That because of this commitment of runners and people giving financially to that, we are seeing people who typically had a shorter life expectancy and a lot of challenges now living longer, giving glory to God, getting educated, and drinking clean water. We take, I take it for granted, not anymore. So. This year on March 24th, the same day as our Easter egg hunt, but in the morning from 9 to 1130 at the Troy campus, we're having our annual hope water kickoff rally. It's a big, awesome, exciting uh, morning just to get us, get us pumped up for what's coming. And so make sure that you check that out. If you're going to run this year, even if you're not going to run in the marathon, it's right before the training starts. Even if you're not going to run, just go to encourage those who are and hear more about what we're doing around the globe. Okay. So it's a beautiful day out. It's a little chilly. It was 80 degrees every day in, in uh, Israel, so uh, that was nice. Um, but it's a beautiful day. Let's all stand up together and let's say hi to someone around you as we continue with this awesome day.
1: everybody. Hey, so what did you do with your extra hour of sleep? I mean, oh, wait a second. Uh, What did you do with your minus one hour of sleep last night? Anybody do anything fun losing an hour of sleep? You slept in. Exactly. I think I have this equation in my mind that an hour less of sleep equals like one to one and a half shots of espresso. Like I'm not Cliff. I can't do eight. My heart would explode. Um, But I I think I could work my way up there because today I think I'm at four. And it's only... Ah, never mind. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, My name's Bill. I want to welcome you out. I'm our campus director and one of our staff members here. We're really glad that you decided to spend your Sunday morning here at Kensington Church at Gross High School. Uh, We're in this series called Unstoppable Force, and last week, uh, one of our founding pastors, Steve Andrews and Dave Wilson, they were on video, and they kicked off the series, and, and really, they just talked about the idea of that the church, over the past few thousand years, has continued to move forward, not because they're in a cool building, and we know that. Because even though we are in a cool auditorium, this is a public high school. But the church isn't a building. The church isn't an institution. The church isn't a religion. The church is a group of people that are moving forward with Jesus, following him, and trying to change the world for him. And so we talked about that last week, and and they went over all of that idea that in the past thousands of years, people have grabbed a hold of this vision and ran with it. And when that happens, the church, the people, can't be stopped. And so today we get to talk about that a little bit more, but I have the opportunity to talk to you this morning about your role in life, your role in your community, your role in your family, maybe even your role here at Kensington. And I don't know about you, but in my life personally, I'm not always the most self-aware individual. I'm working on that. I'm like the president of the non-self-aware club, uh, but I don't always know my role in life in different situations. That's just something that's kind of been a reoccurring theme. When my wife and I moved into our first condo, uh, we threw what was called a painting party. Has anybody been to a painting party? Yeah, it's not a party at all. Like, that's not part of it. But it's basically where a new homeowner, myself, uh, decides to invite their unwitting friends over, feed them cheap $5 pizza, and ask them to paint their house cheaper than a painting crew. Uh, so we're doing this and we had some friends over and people are rolling. And so I do what every good husband wants to do. I grab a roller and I just start rolling away. You know, I'm working and a few minutes in my wife comes up to me and goes, Hey Bill, listen, uh, need you to go get the pizza. Like important role in the painting party, go get the pizza. So I go get the pizza. I'm good at eating. I'm good at spending money. This was a good fit for me. So I go and get the pizza, bring the pizza back, start feeding our friends and my wife goes, hey, we, we forgot drinks. Can you get drinks? Drinks are good. I'm going to go get some drinks. I come back. We realize that our fridge doesn't have ice in the ice machine. And so she sends me to go get ice. And so I get done with all of these wonderful tasks of being the host of the painting party. And I'm done. Eighth pizza. Take my roller. And I start rolling again. I look over my shoulder. And my wife's sitting there. And she looks at me. And she goes, Bill, you, you can't paint. I said, wait, what do you mean? Like I have the roller. I got, I put it in the paint and I rolled it and I put it up on the wall. And she goes, no, you don't understand. You cannot paint. I said, like ever. She goes, no, never. I'm like, wait a second. So I look up at the wall and it looks like a fifth grader took a paint can and threw up on the wall. Like that was my painting job because I thought that painting was easy. I thought my role in that moment was to roll the paint on the wall. You guys didn't get that. It's too early. Uh, so seriously, though, I'm doing this and I'm working hard at it and I want to succeed and I am miserably failing. Now, side note for me in my marriage, do you guys want to know when the last time I painted was 12 and a half years ago? We'll just put it that way. Uh, it was that good. I haven't painted since then. Uh, but honestly, I didn't know my role. I thought I was good at something and I was horrible at it. And because of that, I was wasting time, wasting energy, and wasting enthusiasm on something that I was not good at at all. So I don't know about you, I'm sure in life, I'm not the only one who doesn't know my role in different situations. Whether it's the team project at work when you're nominated to be the team lead and you run ahead with it and your teammates are back behind you snickering the whole way, telling stories about you. Or whether it's at home when you say, honey, don't worry, I'm going to make dinner tonight. And your kids beeline it for McDonald's. Like, I don't know what it is in your life, but many times we don't know our role. And funny, like life doesn't come with an attached role description sheet. That would be great. I'm an organized individual. I'd like that, but it doesn't. And so a lot of times we're just stuck kind of moving through life, trying to figure out what our role is in different situations in our family of origin on the sports team in the line of the bank. Like wherever we're at, what is our role? And I don't know about you, like with me, I don't know my role. I do one of two things. I either still try to work hard, right? The old sports thing. I'm going to give 110%, even if I'm running into a brick wall. Like you either work really hard at something with zero return or you opt out. You're like, if I don't know what I'm doing here and I don't know why I'm here, I'm done. And when we do that in life... This thing starts to happen where we become passive and we become these partial people that God created to do something so much more. And so I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but the idea of being paralyzed or never jumping in in life as we're created to experience it or just being passive or insecure isn't the kind of life that I signed up for worse Some of us, because we don't know how we're gifted, we don't know our role, we don't know our wiring, we will step into life and start comparing ourselves to others that we think have what we want, and we'll live like that. Newsflash, that's not how we're made to live. That's not the life that we're created to have, and we miss out on the family God has given us because they're not as good as the family down the street, or we miss out on our influence at work because we don't have the position that we thought we wanted or or we deserved. Or miss out on relationships because, man, I don't really like my house or my neighborhood isn't that great. When we make excuses and, and when we fall into this trap of comparison or being paralyzed or, or opting out or working hard on the areas we're not good at, man, life doesn't feel good. And I don't know about you, I don't have time to waste energy. Like there's so many things going on, I don't have time to opt out or waste energy. I want to know my role. I want to know where I fit in. I want to know where I'm gifted. I want to know how I can function in this world. I want to be informed so I can jump in. I don't don't want to be misinformed because that just leads to disengagement. Life is too short to be disengaged, especially when we were created for more. And so if we ended today, if, if we prayed and the band came out and you left, that would be a really, really down morning. Like I would not want to be here for that. But luckily for you and I, God made us. And he made us with a purpose and he made us with a vision and he made us with a plan. And so he didn't make us to sit on the bench and sit on the sidelines and wonder what could have been. He made us to engage in life. Another part of scripture, Jesus says, I came to give you life to the full, to live it all the way. And so there's a a passage of scripture in the Bible we're going to dive into in a minute. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, and it's a really good picture of what life could look like if we knew our role and we were clear in that. And so I'm going to read through it, give a few comments along the way, and then my challenge to you today is going to be for you to identify what your role could be and what your gifting could be so that when you leave here today, you're trying to live that out in your circles of influence, not opting out, not sitting on the sidelines, but running full speed ahead. And so in Ephesians four, pick up in verse seven, and it says this, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. I don't know about you. I like gifts. Like on the love languages thing, acts of service and gifts are my one and two. And I tell people, like, buy something for me or do something for me. Like, that's how how I function. And my wife is so awesome. She's like physical touch and quality time. So she's like, sit and spend time with me and be nice to me. And uh, so we've had, that's a different message on marriage at a different point. But I love gifts. I love my birthday. I love Christmas. I love opening gifts. And the one thing I've learned is you never waste a gift. God has given you a gift. We continue on in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ has given to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So we're going to dive into these five terms in a minute because I think some of them are pretty misunderstood and some of them you may think are just kind of used for church context in church world. And it's not. They were meant to be so much more. But this verse here, this Ephesians 4.11, it says their responsibility is to equip God's people. You have to know something this morning. Cliff's role and my role is not to do everything. It's not to be the most important. It's not to be the most holy. It's not to be better than. Our role is to equip you, To do what God has called you to do. Our calling is not to do all the fun stuff. It's to get you on board with how God made you. Give you opportunities to serve and grow. And watch you flourish. That's what happens when the body of Christ, the church, the people, not the building, are working properly. A lot of people think that pastors are supposed to do it all. I've worked in churches of 20, up through 100, up through a few hundred, up through here. And in small churches, many times there's this misconception, it's horrible, that the senior pastor is supposed to do everything and the people are hands off. Now, Kensington is not like that. You are the most engaged group of people I've ever seen. But just know my role and Cliff's role is to set you up to win and grow in your faith and find out who God has made you to be. It goes on in verse 14, it says, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So what this is saying is when we figure out how to work together in our own giftings, with unity and diversity and purpose, this crazy thing happens. We're stronger together. We're better together. We're not thrown off course by these little things. We're not, we don't buy into false teaching, but we are growing in health with one another. We're able to speak truth in love. We're not isolated and divided. We're unified. And it wraps up in verse 16 and says this. It says, He makes, Christ, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the picture is this. is all of us working together towards a common goal. Growing healthy in love. Now what that means is, If one of you is not engaged and invested, we're not whole. Our body isn't working properly. It may look like it. You may be like, Bill, but the musicians are great. And the K-Kids team has it down and and guest services, man, the coffee was wonderful this morning. I felt so welcome coming in. We're still not running at 100% if you're not invested and you're not involved with your gifting the way God made you. Because it takes the whole body to be growing and healthy and full. This is what we're going to talk about today. It's this one idea that if we get this, it will change our lives and it will change the lives of those around us. And it's when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you know who you are, you know what to do. When you get the picture of how God's called you and designed you and made you perfectly, and then you start actually figuring out who that is. When you get that, you know what to do. It's easy. I remember a few years ago, uh, in church work, I had always wanted to be this certain kind of leader. I wanted to be the leader that like everybody looked at and went, wow, I wanted to be the leader on the weird church magazine that you had never read, but all the church people read like, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be the center of attention, point leader, number one guy. And for years I worked at that. You know what I found out? That's not who I'm built to be. I'm built to be a really great support and a really great leader on a team of people where somebody else is leading the mission and the vision. And I get to support that with systems and structure. the really sexy things, right? Systems and structure and health and development. And it's funny, when I stopped pushing for what I wasn't and started living in who I was, everything became easier. Everything. Everything about my life became easier. Getting up for work was easier because I wasn't wearing somebody else's clothes like I was me. And when I do that, there are things right now that when I do them, it brings so much life and energy. And I know when I start stepping out of that because I start to be drained and wiped. Because when I know who I am, I know what I should be doing. And the same applies for you. Once I figure that out, I've been so free to be who God made me to be, but I don't worry about what I thought I wanted. Because I know who I am. And that right there allows me to walk in his purpose and plan. So what about you? So we sit here this morning, uh, do you know who God's created you to be? Like, do you know how you're gifted and how you're wired and, and what your temperament is? Do you know the things that bring you life and the things that drain you? Like in the business world, there's a few things we'll use. Uh, we'll use something like a Myers-Briggs assessment. You've probably had it before. Uh, maybe a finders assessment. Maybe an Emotional Intelligence assessment or, or a DISC assessment. And usually in the workplace, when, when bosses pull this stuff out, it's kind of used for a day and then shelved, right? It's kind of made fun of later on. Uh, but these are great tools to use for you to grow in your awareness of how God made you. In the church world, we'll use some other things. Uh, we'll use what's called a spiritual gifts test. Uh, which kind of lists out the 30 spiritual gifts and many of you have probably taken them in some small group along the way. Uh, some churches might use something called the Enneagram. Uh, some might actually use like a, an assessment that takes your personality type and like wires it like with a Bible character, like, ooh, you're Noah or ooh, you're Joshua. I never quite have seen one that's Judas though. Like that one's never, one's never lined up in there. But it just gives you these different tools in a tool belt of learning who you are. And so what I want to do is I want to circle back to the important verse that we read earlier and just go through those five terms that we read. And my goal is that you can identify with one of them and walk out thinking about that today. And so Ephesians four eleven says this again, it says, now the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So I want to talk about these, but I don't want to talk about them in the context of church life. I want to talk about them in the context of life, because this is what I know. God isn't asking you to quit your job and go be a prophet, which by the way, do you know what they did to prophets in the old Testament that were wrong? They stoned them. You don't want to be that one. That's not a good one. Just joking. Uh, But seriously, I want, you're not going to quit and go be an evangelist. You're not going to quit and go be an apostle. God wants you to live out your calling in your circle of influence, in your home, at your workplace, in your PTO, in your community, in your family. They're not meant to be used only in here. So I want to walk through this with you today. And I'm kind of go to, going to go through one by one. And I want you listening for where maybe you think God could have wired you. So the first one is this. It's an apostle, which I think is just kind of a weird word because I'm not Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And I'm not Paul. And so I kind of think apostles like their term. But really what the word means is this. Apostle means the, the person that's out there going, we need to take that right now. We need to move. We need to go. There's another challenge that we need to accomplish. I don't care that the financing's not here. I don't care that we don't have a business plan yet. I don't care that our R&D hasn't come back yet. We need to go there. Who's with me? They're usually the person running so far out ahead that everybody else thinks they're being chased by a wild animal. Like that's usually an apostle. They're running ahead. In the business world, they could be a visionary or a CEO, an entrepreneur or an explorer. Those are functions of an apostle people that are always pushing into new territory, dreaming, doing new and challenging tasks. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the person, maybe you're the woman that's always going, man, if our neighborhood only had this, it would be so much better. Maybe you're the guy that's saying, man, if if our business only did this in this way, we could go so much farther. Maybe you have that wiring. Second one is a prophet. This is the person that knows it, and tells it. I swear all of us know a prophet in our life. Cuz usually we're like, you're going to say that to me right now? Seriously? We're like the truth and love in the conversation. But prophets have this ability to know things that others don't know intuitively. They can sit back in a situation and kind of observe and go, "Huh. I think this is going on. I think you're not being honest. I think this is happening. Maybe you need to do that." They, they like being alone and, and waiting and listening. They're people who speak out in the business world and their perceptions that not always are the most well-received. They're often creative musicians and artists. They help guide people. Then you have an evangelist. And this is somebody who has this ability to persuade others to go with them. It's that friend that you know that always is like, man, you have to try this new restaurant with me. You've got to get this new piece of technology. You've got to go on vacation here. Come with me. Let me show you. Let me persuade you. An evangelist is somebody who can always recruit to what they were doing. A salesman, a politician, a public relations representative. They love discussing and sharing their point of view, sometimes at nauseam. Wherever they go, they seem to draw others into discussion about whatever they're excited about. In a Christian setting, that can be Jesus. In a non-Christian setting, that can be a sports game. But they have this ability to draw people in and get them on their team. That's an evangelist, somebody who recruits. Then there's the pastor or the shepherd. And this is the one that I think there's the most confusion around. Because when you think of the word pastor, some of you think pope, some of you think priest, some of you think rabbi, uh, some of you think like guy with a really, really tight tie and a jacket yelling at you. Like there's so many different ideas of what this can look like. But according to this word, a gifting is really just one who cares. Somebody who's a shepherd that cares for those around them. They see needs that other people don't see. They follow up when everybody else has stopped following up. They want to build coalitions and consensus in their community around the helpless and the hurting. Pastors are people who build community, love family. A lot of times really just want to care for those around them and their environment. Counselors, social workers, nurses, anyone in the caregiving profession that likes to show hospitality, they're good at listening, easy to talk to, and share your feelings with. Some of you have somebody like that in your life. They're not a pastor of a church, but they're a pastor and a shepherd in your circle of influence. The last one we see on here is the teacher. The best way I can say this is it's somebody who takes a really complex idea and makes it really simple and you can understand it, and they love doing it. Somebody who loves to share the truth and enlighten others to the truth. Mature teachers enjoy reading and studying if it's the Bible or whatever they're into at that time and helping others to understand it. Lecturers, trainers, school teachers are all people who have the gift of teaching. A teacher always looks for ways to explain or enlighten somebody to a complex idea in a simple way, simple and applicable. Teachers bring clarity to hard topics. So, where do you align? Like what jumps out to you on here? Where do you think, and I don't care what you do for your day job. I don't care your role in your family. What sticks out to you? What do you think? If somebody said, this is the one thing you can never stop doing. What's the one that you resonate with? What would jump off the page at you? How can you live this out in your life? What do you need to change in your life? So you're working in your gifting? If you want an actual real test like this, uh, there's one, it's called the APEST, A-P-E-S-T, um, or it's called Five-Fold Ministry Test. You can find them online. The Kensington website has one. But the idea is, where do you think God has gifted you? And then you have to look at your life and go, man, am I walking in that? You got to think. In verse 16, it says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing. We need you working in your gifting. It's funny, like here at Kensington, Birmingham, uh, Cliff and I get to work together all the time. And and you know, the funniest thing is the way we work together is we both know our giftings. We both know our wiring. We've also both done each other's job at a different church before and we wanted to die. Uh, And so we really respect each other in the roles that we have now because we know where we're gifted and we know how we can lead. What if we lived out these true callings in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods? What could change about us and about our community? When you know who you are, you know what to do. What's your next step from today? Who do you need to talk to about it? Usually those closest to you. Hey, I kind of feel like I'm good at this. What do you think? And get a little bit of feedback on it. You know, one of the beautiful things about here at Kensington is that we are a strengths based organization, we're a gifting based organization. Steve Andrews, our founding pastor, is a raging apostle. You can say that to him next. You say, Bill called you a raging apostle. Uh, He always wants the next hill. He never wants to stop. Because he says, it's true, Jesus hasn't stopped. We shouldn't stop. So he's like three or four hills ahead of where we're at. Always running and going. And what he did early on at Kensington, 28 years ago, is he surrounded himself with people with different giftings. He got Dave Wilson, who's a teacher. You got Mark Nelson, who's a prophet. He said, hey guys, let's do this. And they started this movement called Kensington. And they laughed at him. They told him it would never happen. It would never work. It was going to fail. Started out with an attendance of like 25 people. And now our average attendance on a weekend is somewhere above 13 to 14,000. Not because they're great. Not because they're wonderful. They'll be the first ones to tell you we're the most broken people in the room. But because they knew they're gifting. They knew who they are. And they knew what to do. What I want to do now is I just want to take a moment and receive the offering. Our ushers are going to come forward. I just want you to know if you're new to Kensington, this is kind of a family moment. This isn't a spot for you to give. Uh, This is a moment for those who call Kensington our home. Uh, This is just a great moment for us to give back generously because, man, God's blessed us with so much. And you know, the funny thing about moments like when we, when we receive the offering is the finances that come in at Kensington, they're not just here to make this building better. They fuel everything that we do. The, the Go Pulse, that movement at Kensington of that we're always going out, always trying to reach more people, always trying to help more hurting people, that comes from our founders and our leaders, but it also comes from you investing in what God is doing here at Kensington. What we do around the world with our, with our global partners, our seven partners from Cuba to Afghanistan to Nepal, Our church plants in the United States, I think Steve said uh, we have over 50 church plants right now in the United States, and they don't say Kensington on the door. It's not about Kensington, it's about moving the mission forward. Our campusing in the metro Detroit area, all of that comes from your generosity. You're here because this is an apostle-led church with Steve. He just keeps going and keeps going. And one of the things you've heard about uh, last week and this week is our Everyone campaign, our Everyone movement. And about every four to five years, what we do is we say, man, we want to go farther and see more people transformed by Christ, more people impacted. And so in order to do that, we need more resources to go farther. This is our sixth campaign in 28 years. So it's not something we talk about every week, but it's something that is vital to the movement of Kensington. And so what we want to do is we have... A wonderful video with Steve and a few guys just talking about over the past two years since we started our Everyone campaign about what God has been doing and how people have been impacted.
2: every once in a while a church has the opportunity to accelerate their mission like double down on what they're all about And over the years of Kensington's existence, we have had just a handful of those very special times and our everyone campaign is the most recent example of that. This was a three year window in which Kensington friends are giving over and above their regular financial support. We are approaching the last year of those three. A few thousand people have already given toward this and we are so grateful. But we have more to do in order to finish strong, and we have more people who can help us get over that finish line. So some of you have been with us all along. You started with the Everyone campaign a couple years ago, and you've been giving, and we're so grateful. And perhaps you were around back then and just didn't see your way clear to jump in financially with us back then. But maybe now you could see your way clear to jumping in for the last 12 months. And maybe some of you are brand new to Kensington and you may want to consider being part of the last year as well. And no matter who you are, we just know that together as a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. And to get a taste of what all those things are, take a look at this. We're super excited about our new Clinton Township building where we believe thousands of people will come meet Christ and engage their faith in a totally new way. At Troy, we've been able to improve a handful of things, including our kids' security system, and make some updates in the auditorium. We're still helping new churches get off the ground, so we invested in East Town Church, led by the Dupins in San Francisco. We believe environments matter, so we've invested heavily in our online environment, that is our website, as well as what you see when you come into a Kensington lobby. We were able to complete the adoption of the Traverse City campus and church family. We've partnered with an organization called Youth with a Mission, which is all about reaching the next generation in the city of Detroit. So it's been an amazing run, not just for 27, 28 years, but even in the last couple of years. We have been able to see amazing things happen inside of Kensington, outside of Kensington. And and when you think of all of that, what for you, uh, like, really gets you pumped up?
3: Our story is almost unique in the world. When I tell people around the country, say, yeah, we have seven campuses giving millions of dollars to another campus that they'll never see or use in order to see people come to know Christ in the Detroit area. And they're like, wait a second, explain this to me. These people over here, 40 minutes away, are giving to these people, and they're giving, like, major portions of their life resources to make this happen. It it doesn't even compute to people. And what I love is this spirit of other-centeredness.
2: The great part now is we're taking this little kind of time out in the Everyone campaign because we've put a lot of resources into Clinton Township facility, understandably. But there's this other list of projects that are really amazing projects that if we finish strong and as we sort of collect people into this investment with amazing things yet to come yes. just in the next like year or two
3: and think about this this is this seems almost corny but troy's getting a new parking lot for a new troy campus listen there's a new spirit at troy and a new vision and a new movement that is as exciting to me as anything we've done in our 27 years we have signage we have things that are happening at every campus to make us better and we're going to step in and see those things happen
2: Was that your dream, like when you said, I want to be a church-planting operation, a church-planting church, which is why people think we're crazy, right? Because we're always sending people away from our church. Had you d- dreamt about having that express itself in other places than just America?
3: I did, but I had no way I had no way of knowing the variation of Nepal, Cuba, Afghanistan, where we actually are supporting leaders who, who are, have been executed, have been beheaded this year. We had, should we get to be a part of it? Are you kidding me? No, I never dreamed that it would be this dramatic. The other thing that I didn't expect is the fact that people here, well, we want to start new churches, and they think, oh, well, you, want, you want to start like a beautiful building. Like, no. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time, new small groups and homes, new ideas, new ministries that, that are going to change the way people live. This is being birthed in the heart's of Kensington people, literally every second.
2: You know, I think sometimes when people see Kensington and they see some of the great things that have happened and the buildings we have and all these wonderful people around us, they're like, well, what do you guys need? I mean, Mm -hmm. why would you even be asking for more? Like, are you building some sort of an empire?
3: Yeah, well, the empire that's being built belongs to jesus christ not to me not to no one on this staff owns any of this this belongs to the kensington body and what is amazing to me is that whatever we do inside we do far more outside we're going to launch our 59th us domestic church this year we are going to touch over a million people with the gospel of jesus christ globally it's like what we do here at kensington it's like the the epicenter of, of everything going out it's almost like we're collecting resources so that we can actually send yes them. Wow. yeah and then and then the greatest resources the people themselves as they go out to do what god's called them to do
2: so there's probably a couple thousand people listening to this conversation right now and uh, we still have a year of the everyone campaign to
3: go what would you love to see happen very simple i want a hundred percent of us to be in to this everyone campaign. I want every person at Kensington who's a part of Kensington now to be able to look back and say, I helped finish that Clinton Township building. It's going to be reaching people at Hall Road in 94 for the next hundred years. And I helped build that Nepal safe house where young girls are being restored into church planners and community leaders. And I invested in Kaleo kids and reaching these elementary schools and restoring and changing these kids' identities. And I was a part of getting Troy a new parking lot and Orion, you know, building upgrades inside. The beauty of life is when you can say, We did this together. That's what I want. I want every person to be freed from the the oppression of the question what's in it for me? And to be liberated to ask the question, what is Jesus Christ inviting me into? Like how to use my life, everything that I've begin been, been given, whether it's for the everyone came campaign or starting a new program or reaching out to their neighbors, and that we begin to live not with this concern about how do I preserve my own life? It's how do I give my life away and let Jesus like, flow through me in this world? Not, not just through individuals, but as communities, as teams, as groups of people. Uh, Kensington is a huge army around the world. And uh, as people are learning to say, not my will, but Jesus yours be done, man, what might we see? I mean, it, we've already been amazed. I think the best is yet to come.
1: I love listening to Steve talk about the vision and the mission of the church because for him, it's never a building, Uh, it's never here, it's always going out, it's always seeing lives transformed, it's always seeing people impacted. Uh, through Christ, lives changed. And here in Birmingham, that's what we want. And as we opt in to this go pulse of Kensington, as we opt into the idea of figuring out who we are and then figuring out what we can do from that, we want you to think about this everyone movement. You know, over the past few years, God has, we've seen so many awesome things happen across Kensington. And we've seen a lot of great things happen here in Birmingham. From this campaign, think about the fact that uh, we added a few staff positions, one of them being a full time discipleship director to run small groups in community and, and have over 50 people down at our intentional parenting class this morning to own that and run with that. We've added student ministry staff to make sure that our high school students and middle school students are engaged in moving forward in their faith. This year, we've resurrected our Easter egg hunt to serve the Beverly Hills area and this community as an outreach. And the elephant in the room, you know, I heard a lot of you last week when you're saying, well, I love Clinton Township's building. Kind of, huh, huh? well, this is what we're looking for right now. We want to get three to $5 million in a fully funded savings account. So when that piece of property comes available, we can act on it for a building. And we're right now looking at two buildings in this community really seriously. And I don't think it's going to be, if we get a building, I think the question is when we get a building. And so all of those things are part of this everyone movement and this everyone campaign. Now, from that, over the past two years, just some things for you to know. Uh, we had a goal originally of $30 million over three years. And the camp, uh, the company we were working with said, we are insane. The churches don't raise that kind of money. Well, over the past two years, we've had $22 million pledged and 12 million of that has already come in to fund these projects. Our goal is 5,000 households engaged. Right now, we have just over 3,000 engaged. And so there's so much opportunity to grow over the next year. And Cliff is going to come out in a minute and give you a few next steps on that. But before we get to the how, the why, of everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. And of that $12 million that's come in, we have a few people that want to say thank you because there's been some amazing transformation.
0: Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint.
4: And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church.
0: It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2, the church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Mile City Church in Lavonia, Michigan. Hey,
1: this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida.
3: This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall.
4: I'm Julius Moore. Gordon, uh, the director of Home Harvesters International This is Jaya from India This is Ramesh Sapkota I'm from Nepal
0: It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to
1: plant a church called Communitas.
0: I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week I had the opportunity to meet a reporter and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. The first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it satanists and you guys are a part of every single one of those lives that have been changed we are already gathering a group of people about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis in just a few short months we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly well, you know over a thousand people are going to show up today and that's been the case for years here we have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been Taken from the country of nepal and so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible thank you so much for your support and thank you thank you for your incredible support just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in salt lake from new left church on wayne state's campus in detroit michigan thank you kensington from grumlot church in
1: grand Blanc, michigan Thank you. From
0: Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit, thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All All these new! new.
3: Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you.
4: Hey, Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, thank you you have made all of this possible we've planted 60 plus churches in the in the united states thousands of churches around the world and countless numbers of people have been impacted for jesus and you don't even realize this is because of you Your giving your sacrifice has made a huge difference so on behalf of all of our leadership thank you for what you've done let me tell you it's just the beginning god is going to do amazing things thank you
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. are not you? For those of you who are visiting today, I hope you're inspired. I hope you're encouraged by what you're seeing because here's the beautiful thing about, about this movement of Jesus Christ that's happening all around the world. Is that it's a movement that's all about equipping, empowering, and releasing. Equipping. Getting you ready to do what you've been created to do, training you, teaching you, discipling you, empowering you, getting you ready—you know—the uh, spirit of God within you—and then releasing you into the world to do it. Now, sometimes that means San Francisco, like Clinton Michael. Sometimes it means Nepal, like Ramesh. Sometimes it means Salt Lake City, like Dave Nelson, or New York City, like Craig Mays. But oftentimes, it means your job, your house, your neighborhood, your family. Equip, empower, release—it's that idea of being sent to someone. And spending time in Israel for the last week and a half or so, it's amazing to see that the movement of Jesus Christ around the world started when Jesus chose twelve disciples that nobody else wanted. They were young; they were eleven of them were teenagers. Peter was over twenty; the rest were under twenty. And Jesus poured into them for three years. He equipped them, and then Jesus. Jesus uh, died, rose from the grave, and he ascended. And and after that, the, the spirit of God was given to these disciples and others. So they were empowered. And then they were sent. They were released into the world. And that's what this whole thing is built on. And can you imagine if they resisted that? Can you imagine if they decided to just stay this really awesome small group? If they said, well, no one gets us like anyone. You know, we understand each other. We know how hard it is to follow Jesus and we're just going to stay together. If they didn't go, we wouldn't be here. And so as we walk through that, I just want you to keep in mind, this is absolutely the heartbeat of what makes all this happen is that we see this in action and that we are involved. We are as all into those stories as those who are doing it because they wouldn't be able to do that if we don't do what we can do. So we all have a part to play. So I say that because some of you are like, okay, well, you're new within the last two years and this is all very new information for you. I'm new within the last two years. This campaign was, was done by the time I started here. And so, uh, so for me, it's exciting. We've got three basic action steps for you right now. Some of you are like, all right, this is awesome. I'm in. What does it look like? How do I get involved? Three action steps. The first one, uh, Bill already walked through some of the numbers. Um, we've got basically it's step up, stay in, and start up. Those are the three big steps here. You have step up, stay in, and start up. For step up, these are people who uh, two years ago made a commitment to be a part of this. They saw the $30 million dream, and they saw that, and they got in, and they said, okay, this is how much we're going to give, and, and, and you already have fulfilled that. There are people who made their, their pledge, their promise, and they wrote the check on the same day. All right. So, so, or you've, or you've committed to it and you finished it a little bit early. So the first challenge of the day is for step up. It's to say, you've already done, you've already committed and you've already finished. You've checked the box. The challenge for you is to say, will you consider getting back in? Will you look at your situation and say, wow, God moved in this way. I've been blessed in my business or, or a bonus or a job change. Something happened. I want to get back in for the next 12 months. So would you consider, would you consider going beyond your current pledge to give a boost to get us to the finish line? That's stepping up. Now, the second group is staying in. Staying in. Now, this group, so the step up group has gotten us to 12 million so far. And now the staying in group gets us from 12 million to 22 million. These are the pledges that were made on day one. And we're, we're counting on us all fulfilling those promises so that we can actually do what we've committed to do. So for this group, for the stay in, this would be myself and Angela and many of you that are working towards this. The challenge would be to faithfully fulfill the promise that you made to fulfill the pledge that you made and get us to that number. But the third group, here's the here's the one I think is the most exciting. The third group is the startup. We just love that term startup now anyway. It's like, ooh, it's a new startup. It's a shark tank feel, something like that. But the idea of startup. This is the idea that you have either come new in the last two years and this is all you didn't see this before or you weren't able to participate before or maybe God's just done a work in your heart in the last two years and you're like I am ready to step in I want to see this movement happen around the world and so startup this means you're getting in for the first time and this is sort of that last piece the 22 to 30 million this 8 million we want to try to get to so that we can do great things for God. And so, as we think about that, we want you to think about this not as, okay, what, what's the biggest number I can write down on a check right now? That's not the way to think about it. I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. But the way to think about this is to think there's 12 months left. What would be a, a very dangerous prayer to pray it would be, God, what, what can I do? What can I sacrifice each month for the next 12 months to be a part of this? So that the gospel can go out to the ends of the earth, both locally. And globally, So we kind of broke this down a little bit just to make it simpler. And so we will reach this goal across the 14,000 people that are hearing this right now uh, around the country. Uh, we will reach this goal if the following breakdowns happen. So just find yourself somewhere on this list if God's tugging at your heart. If 750 households throughout this whole Kensington movement would commit to $50 a month for the next year or $600 one time. If $1,300 households would commit to $100 a month or 2 and 2000 households commit to 250 a month that gets us to where we want to go because we believe that that's what God's called us to do. And so the challenge here is to think about like for me this is where it hits me. I'm like wow that well 50 bucks a month okay. Um anyone who's ever gone out for coffee with me knows that uh that number can add up pretty quickly when you're adding shots and you're doing all this other stuff to your coffee like i i don't really want to know the number i spend each month on coffee i just I, it's like ignorance is bliss but as i look at that and i say okay what's what's something i could sacrifice what's something i may be able to set aside so that i can be more involved in this and so this is an opportunity uh, if, if this feels right now like 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 something that's uncomfortable, please don't see it. see it as an invitation and opportunity to be a part of something great. That video, here's the thing: we we cut that video. It could be that was three minutes long. It could be an hour long, of all the lives that have been changed, all the people that have given their lives to Christ because of the faithfulness to be committed to the movement of Jesus Christ. We want to stay the kind of church that is the tip of the spear. The first one in an area. The first. Some of you have come to Christ here. You had never been in a church before, and you walked in. That's exactly who we always want to be. We want to take the hill. We want to be a movement, not an institution. And so that's the heartbeat. Is that we want to, as they said in the video, we want to collect resources so that we can send them out immediately to see people come to Christ around the globe. And that is our heart. And there's something about that that just draws each of us in. I want to be a part of that. With my wife and with my family and give my life to the movement of Jesus Christ in that way. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song. Um, but before we do, just as, as you think through those things uh, over the next week, just think and pray about what that looks like for you. Um, in your in your um, brochure there on the back, there's three choices. The start up, step up, stay in. Just pray over that even this week. What would that look like for you? What would that look like for your family? Talk about it with your children. Think about what can we do as a family to be a part of this, to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. God, we love you so much. I pray even now in my own heart as I talk about this with my wife and my children and see what can we do that's even more to see this just explosion happen around the world. God, you've given me the chance to go and see this in action. I thank you for the generosity of this church and for these people to see amazing things happening both in Birmingham and in Southeast Michigan and all the way to the very ends of the earth. Jesus, I thank you for the movement that you started through the disciples and because of their faithfulness, that apostolic drive that they had to literally be called apostles, that because of the risks they took and the dangers they faced and their passion and their all-in lives, we are here today. I pray we would pick up that baton. We would pick put on that mantle and we would run this race inspired by those who have gone before us, cheered on by those who have given their lives until the day that you call us home. Thank you for this incredible opportunity. Now, God, we want to worship you because you are great and you are the greatest thing in the universe. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: I just stand right where you are. We're going to close today by singing a song together, and um, something that Steve Andrews said last week um, in our message is really stuck with me. He said, um, "When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we begin to take our eyes off of ourselves, and with that goes the worry, and with that goes the control, and we begin to live generous and open handedly." I think that's just such a great picture for what worship is because it's how we respond to God for who He is and what He's done. So not this, but this. And so we're going to sing a song that just talks about the worthiness and the worth of God and just how great He is. And so this is a song that our campus loves. Love we'll the words on the screen, of course. So let's sing with grateful and thankful, glad hearts as we close our day today. You give life, you love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken.
1: If something moved in your heart, you want prayer. We have a wonderful prayer team that would love to pray with you down here. Uh, if you're new, we'd love to have you check out Starting Point, get a free gift, and get to know them. They can get to know you. Uh, if maybe you're like, man, I, I, I'm gifted and I want to jump in and serve. Well, like Cliff said, Easter is coming up three weeks away. We need help at our egg hunt. We need. We would love for you to serve in our K kids environments and guest services over Easter. Uh, And last but not least, today, if you want more information about our Everyone campaign and what's going to be happening over the next 12 months, grab a booklet or brochure on your way out. We hope that you can walk in your calling today, and you can have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.